of the darkness and into the light. It's the This Woman Knows podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the This Woman Knows podcast. I am your host, Lisa Ann Alexander. Today, we'll have a discussion about what it is to be a woman of color, in particular, a black woman in these United States and what that looks like surrounding our health care and in particular childbirth and then at the other end of the spectrum when you're going through the change of life. So I have the opportunity to and the great pleasure to work with an amazing woman, Kay Matthews. She is the executive director and founder of a nonprofit organization called the Shades of Blue, the Shades of Blue Project. And what they do is they focus on black maternal mental health because there is no conversation. You can't have a conversation about black maternal health without talking about maternal mental health. The two cannot, you can't separate the two or you shouldn't separate the two. So I remember when I um, first moved to Houston many years ago, I think it's been almost a quarter of a century at this point. And I worked worked with a woman and she was raising her granddaughter And I found out that the mom, her daughter, had died during childbirth. And so that was my first encounter, face-to-face encounter with a a real-life stat that black women die far more frequently during the childbirth experience and then within that one year after that postpartum term than any other race of women in these United States. Our stats are worse than any third world country. There is there is something amiss. And now we have organizations really working to try to solve the issue, solve the problems. And Kay's um, organization, the Shades of Blue Project, they work with the postpartum, the mental health, because there are so many, <laughs> the postpartum, we, black women are more likely to experience um, postpartum symptoms and they're more severe than our um, white counterparts and then the repercussions of um, going for help for mental health in a postpartum state unfortunately can lead to some bad outcomes for black women so much so that children are taken away from you And so that's why so many women will keep quiet or suffer in silence. And then our community, you know, will say, girl, you got this, you can handle it. That's what our grandmothers will tell us and our mothers and our friends that tell, oh, girl, you fine, you're going to be fine. And I don't know. I was talking to someone the other day and I said they were um, the grieving process. So they just experienced a loss and how the whole world kind of, you know, after the funeral, you know, everything, every, life goes back to normal for everyone else. And for the person that's grieving, you know, life does not continue. Now you've got to adapt to this new normal, right? And so we were having this conversation and I said, well, this is a society that expects you to move on quickly. Your grieving process should be quick. It's been a week already. You should be done, right? And so we have that kind of same mentality when it comes to childbirth. You have got six weeks to get over it heal bond with your baby um get accustomed to your new body you got six weeks to do that and then you have to get back to work and so our society isn't built for 
this um, healing that has to happen because we got to get to work, you know, you know, back to the rat races, really, right? And so we don't have that luxury, especially if you're talking about marginalized communities, if you're talking about um, women of color, if you're talking about black women. And this, it, these stats are true wherever you fall on the socioeconomic path here, where, wherever you fall. You can be incredibly wealthy, you can be highly educated, or you can be living in poverty and your education and money does not change. It does not change what is real for black women in the United States when it comes to us giving birth. So what we don't know is why black women experience such severe symptoms when it comes to pregnancy and then come to find out I've done both pregnancy and change of life. So we experience severe symptoms on both ends childbirth when it comes to the uh, postpartum and our mental health and then when it comes to the change of life my i sat down with my doctor at i'll just say this i love my new doctor and i'll tell this story well i'll go ahead and tell it so i had um going through the change of life and having all the symptoms and it was rough it was absolutely rough so i had a black female doctor that I went to go see and I was explaining everything and I was so tired of feeling like I was crazy if I um just not feeling at home in my body anymore and not this 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 change man it, it was rough it was really really rough and so um I went to her and I was telling her my symptoms and how I was feeling and um, just not being able to recognize my body. And, you know, there was this grieving that was going on. And I asked my doctor, my black female doctor, I asked her, I said, does this get any better? And her answer to me was no. Suck it up. It just, it is what it is. I didn't like that answer. And so she was fired that day. Um, I did not follow up with her um didn't let her know she was fired i just stopped going probably i do i owe her a letter not sure you tell me if you think i owe her a letter or an explanation but that was egregious to me to tell a patient that not nah, it's not gonna get any better which was not true it wasn't true so i went to so i started interviewing physicians I started interviewing doctors. I went through my list. You know, I'm thankful that I have health care, which is a big thing in these states. Is it the best health care? That's questionable. It's health care. And so I'm able to, um, you know, select these doctors. And so I'm going down, you know, you know, who's close to home, you know, looking at their reviews. And so I'm, I've, I have compiled a list of primary care physicians, of OBGYNs, and I'm going to interview. I'm, I, I will pay the money for the copay um, and go and talk to the doctors. And it's like, I don't want you to examine me. We're going to have conversation. And it's like, I need to know where you stand on this, this, and this. And how do you feel about this, this, and the other? So on my very first visit with um, my new PCP, um, primary care physician, my question to her was about go the change of life and she she listened 
And she says, Lisa, she says, she says, black women, she says, you guys have it so rough. She says, you experience menopausal symptoms or perimenopausal systems at such at a severe rate, more so than any other race of women in the country. And so for my Asian female doctor to tell me that and didn't get that from my black female doctor, just it, it floored me and I had expected so much more. So I was grateful for the help she was in. I'm like, thank you very much. Um, found a new OBGYN. She gave me a new treatment. Things are better. I, it did get better. So to all of you, I would say if you have a physician and you are not getting the results, the respect, the answers, um, the compassion, then you have every right to fire your physician and go find another one. That would be my advice to you. That would be my suggestion. It has worked for me. Um, and I would highly recommend you find somebody else that can that will work with you and that will listen. So um, working with Kay, there's a mantra um, that, uh, within the meetings and everything that, that they have, the, the summit, the Black Maternal Mental Health Summit, and you'll see people with T-shirts and it's like, listen to black women. Yeah. Please listen to black women. All right, so let's take a break. I have a commercial I need to run and we'll be right back. I am the spitting image of my father. I share his big eyes, same dark, tightly coiled hair, same wide nose. I am his daughter and I loved him. And some days, a heavy cross to bear. Welcome back, everybody. So we know that black women our symptoms are more severe than other races of women when it comes to giving birth and when it comes to menopause. So let's talk about child, the childbirth experience. I didn't know I had a childbirth story until I met Kay and started working with her organization. So what is common for a lot of women, black women in particular, are fibroids. And so I knew that I had fibroids. I had all the painful periods, the heavy periods, the horrible cramps, all, all of it, right? And so I experienced it from my 20s on. I had fibroids, heavy periods. I've always, had, always been anemic because of the heavy periods. That's just, that was my life for all of my adult, all of my adult life, right? And so fibroids, they're large. Um, they're, they're not small. I have, I have, I had a very large fibroid and I got pregnant with my, with my first child, had a daughter. And I remember on after, after pushing, it was a vaginal birth and all natural. Hey, so I was able to do that. And I know not every woman is able to do that, but I was able to do that, that, that I was able to follow that particular birth plan. I didn't want any drugs. And so thankfully that, that happened for me. But what also happened is that 
my obstetrician, gynecologist and obstetrician, I probably should have fired him like at the first meeting, you know, when I first scheduled the meeting, I, I probably should have fired him immediately because just all the red flags and that whole not listening and no compassionate care. And, you know, when I asked for an ultrasound and it's like he was old school, we're not doing the ultrasound and you'll find out the sex of the baby and all these other things you'll find out the day of. Oh, okay. So this was back in 1991. Okay. Oh, all right. So after I, after I give birth, the doctor tells me, he says, you have bad placentas. And it was like, it was, it was, had partially started to detach. And the only thing he told me is like, oh, you have bad placentas. And my husband, he, he remembered that. And there was no explanation. There was no talk of, sis, you could have lost this pregnancy and this baby because of the fibroid and the baby and the uterus and the placenta all vying, you know, for space in here. And the, it, it's like, you could have, nobody said anything. Did I have bed rest? Did any, nobody even, I wasn't on bed rest with the first bait. No, I wasn't on bed rest. And so to know, looking back now, I'm going, oh my God, I, somebody should have said something. Some, my doctor should have told me, it's like, if you're going to continue having children, you're of childbearing age, if you want to have more children, you really ought to take a look at this fibroid because it could um, impact future, preg future pregnancies. No one ever had that conversation with me. Never had that conversation. I had no idea that I was so close to losing my firstborn had no idea just no idea um and my husband he always remembered you know moving forward and it was like you have bad placentas and so we need to keep this in mind but not knowing it was a fibroid that could have been treated but then back in the 90s the treatment for fibroids was take it out or t you know get a complete or partial hysterectomy i know that the technology has changed now and you know, we can do some different things. There's all kind of beautiful things that can be done to treat fibroids now that probably couldn't have been done in 1991. Got it. Um, and so then when I had my second child, our son, this is about eight years later, so 1999. Again, I have never had anything done with this fibroid. No one has said anything. I continue to have painful periods, continued, um, with heavy periods and just being anemic and didn't didn't think about it none of my doctors said anything so i guess it was on me to say hey can we do something i didn't know um just really didn't know and get pregnant with baby number two and i started spotting and i had a black female doctor and let's talk about my black female doctor i said that I wanted to have a water birth. I, that's, that's what I had wanted for this particular, for this pregnancy. And she outright told me, she was like, you gonna have to go to somebody else because I'm not doing that. That is entirely too messy to, I'm not doing it. And so my heart was kind of broken that that was her immediate response was 
oh hell no and um if you want to do that go find somebody else and i didn't go find somebody else because she had come so highly recommended and so that dream was thwarted and i don't know maybe it was for a good reason because again she said you got a real big fibroid in here and then she did another ultrasound maybe a couple of months into the pregnancy and says we i don't see it and so you know jokingly maybe the baby ate the fibroid no the fibroid was still there maybe it was just being blocked so i'd started spotting and then had to go on bed rest with my second pregnancy okay um went on bed rest then eventually went into labor i think um our second son I delivered at maybe 36, 38 weeks. So almost to term, right? 36, 38 weeks, almost to term. And she said the same thing. And it was like, your placenta just about came detached, um, was almost detached from your uterus. And again, nobody's, nobody said anything that um, maybe we should take care of this fibroid if you want to have any more children. And so I'm amazed that, um, well, first I am grateful. I am truly grateful that both of my pregnancies ended okay. That I had two healthy babies at the end of those pregnancies because it could have turned out so differently. It could have turned out so differently. And so... I want to encourage um, things and things are, 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 are a little different, a little different now, and just encourage women to take control of your health. If you have options, explore them. Um, you don't have to take the first answer. And I know, you know, interviewing doctors, especially if you're already pregnant, interviewing doctors and going through that whole process can be time consuming and it can be frustrating. And especially when your hormones are everywhere, trust me, girl, I get it. Um, But find a doctor that will respect and listen to black women and offer compassionate care. So that was my, my, my birthing experience here in the States and didn't know how close I came to one either losing the babies or losing my life who who knew and just no one said anything so then you talk about the postpartum depression in black women being so much more severe so when i had my first when i had my daughter i i was still living in los angeles and my mom lived in houston at the time so we hadn't made the move and i just remember I didn't, I didn't grow up around little kids, little babies. You know, I had my, my, my little sister, but you know, that was so long ago. Just did this. So this whole baby thing was very, very new. And I was really very young, um, 21, you know, having my first baby. And I just remember being overwhelmed, just overwhelmed. Um, this, 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 this new baby, she was colicky and, Um, She was fussy and I didn't, I had no idea what to do. Um, Did not have help. Um, My dad was, was there. My sister, she was younger than me. And so, you know, we're all just playing it by ear. We don't know what we're doing. 
um, Elgin, he's a new dad. He definitely didn't. Gr- that poor, that poor soul. He didn't grow up with no babies in the house. He was the baby. <laughs> so he had no idea what to do. And I just remember feeling so alone and so without any kind of help. So, you know, when you have, you know, mamas come and they spend the whole month with you. And I didn't have any of that. I didn't, it was me and, and, and baby Alexander trying to figure this thing out. And I just remember between, you know, just really trying to tend to her needs and, you know, keep her from crying and keep her from spitting up and getting food. And we, you know, I breastfed for about two months and then, um, and it's like that kept coming up. And I just I I was so I was so lost. The pediatrician was of little help. And it is a scary thing. To have a new a newborn to not have assistance. Um, nobody sent me home with a La Leche League or any of that. And this is 19. This is not that long ago. And it's like just went home unsupported. Oh, I forgot to tell you, this was in the height of the HMOs. So if I had baby Alexander at midnight, today is her birthday. If I had, if I had baby Alexander at midnight, one to 1202, on September 21st, 1991, I was home by 6 p.m. the same day. They didn't want to keep you in the hospital. They shoved you out. So I was home the same, not even a 24 hour, even though it was a vaginal birth. They sent this black woman home. Eight hours later, six hours later, I was at home with a newborn. So no support. We didn't know what we were doing. Just new parents. And I remember just the the incessant crying and she couldn't be soothed. And, you know, right for her time, she was having issues. And I remember um, Elgin had to go back to work. My husband had to go back to work. And I remember I put, laid her down in the crib at the top of the stairs. Her, you know, our, we had we were living in a split level house at the time. She was upstairs crying just bawling and I I was done at by the time Elgin I knew he was soon to come home and I was sitting at the bottom of the stairs bought both of us bawling and I just waited for him to come home and as soon as he came in the door and I'm like she won't stop crying I don't know what to do and so he hugged me went and got the baby I don't know how we got through that night I don't know how either of us stopped crying but I just remember feeling overwhelmed and unsupported and not knowing what to do just just clueless I remember um she just she wouldn't stop crying and so this was in the first 24 hours first 24 hours of bringing her home they sent me home right and so she wouldn't stop crying and we couldn't figure we had done all the things burped changed tried to feed all the things and she was still crying and so we go strap her up in our car seat we are going back to sentinel hospital somebody's gonna tell me something because th- no this is not right so we get to um <laughs> we're we're leaving we are and it is late at night so we are out 
um, and then we crossed some railroad tracks and it was bumpy. She let out the nastiest burp and went to sleep. And Elgin and I, we were like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, she had to burp. <sighs> and so that's support for new mamas is so important. It was, <laughs> oh, I could only wish that, um, you know, Nana lived close by or my mom was in town to help me with that process. So I know about the postpartum because just, especially if you have a colicky baby or a baby with special needs, you've got to have support. And so that definitely impacts the, the mental, right? The and so there is no doubt in my mind that I experienced postpartum depression or some form of the baby blues. It didn't um, get into um, a postpartum psychosis, but I just remember just the feeling of complete overwhelm, the complete feeling of overwhelm. And so um, now I understand and try to offer support, like real support, and that whole thing, um, oh God, that's so annoying. When you have a baby and then you do go out, everybody's like, oh, let me see the baby, the baby, the baby, the baby. And you no longer exist. And that can weigh on a mama's soul too. And it's like, I still exist, you know? And so we have to remember to be kind to new moms is be kind to new moms, be kind to new moms. And so this hormonal thing that happens in black women when we give birth and I believe they're saying that it is the stress just the sheer stress of being a black woman in this country that it impacts our pregnancies and our hormone our hormones and so that's why we um, experience these symptoms at far greater numbers than the rest of the women in the country and so to see it on both sides. So I, um, I talked to Kay and I talked to my doctor. I said, there's something here. There's a correlation here because if we're experiencing extreme symptoms on both ends of this during childbirth, and then again, when we're shutting down baby manufacturing plant, something is, we, there is something here and we need to have these conversations and doctors need to be made aware. And compassionate care and please please listen to black women when it comes to when it comes to what we're talking about dadgummit listen to black women <laughs> listen to us like seriously that we are not imagining this isn't we're not imagining anything the pain is real um the overwhelming fear and then the that really broke my heart um, being in one of Kay's classes, her Inspire Method training, and to hear the stories of black women on the brink. I mean, on the brink was heartbreaking. And to hear the stories of black women whose families have been separated because CPS, because she went in for mental health care are you capable of keeping your children and having your family split up? There's so much work to be done. There's so much work to be done. And so I want to um, encourage all of my black moms out there, uh, would-be mothers, um, 
let's take care of each other. Um, don't be afraid to use your voice. Don't be afraid to fire doctors. If I learned anything, if I've learned anything in the 54 years of my life being here and, you know, with those being in in my adult years, fire doctors, fire them, ask for referrals. Um, don't be afraid to interview them like people interview for you for a job interview these doctors you know find out what their policies are is what do they believe um do they believe in listening do they do they have a good bedside manner that means a lot and do they have a good bedside manner to people that look like you because just because a review says oh they have great bedside manner check the photo sis check the photo and just make sure you know that it's across the board and not just one way because there and what i'm saying is not um egregious it's not blasphemous because it is known about these um conscious biases within the healthcare system this is not new information this is recorded information this is studied information there are papers there are journals written about the conscious bias that doctors have i had the opportunity to um do some work for another organization and we interviewed um, a fabulous doctor. Oh, he was awesome. If I was in Baltimore, you know, that would have been my, he was good, loved him. Um, black young man doing amazing things in Baltimore, work going above and beyond, um, all that compassionate care, he's doing it. And so he talked about what it is to have this unconscious bias or this conscious bias in medicine. And he says, it's not all racial. He says some doctors have a bias against uneducated people or um, people that are on drugs. And so if you have a doctor who is so anti-narcotics and he gets a patient who is addicted, there can be a bias. She may not get the best care because he has this bias or he or she has this bias against you know, women uh, against 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 users and addicts, right? So there are a lot of, it's not just race. Sometimes it's socioeconomic and class and there's so many things at play. And so just wanted to share my experience and to encourage, especially all you new mamas out there. Um, don't be afraid to reach out for help. If you don't have a good support system, there are organizations out there now that you can reach out to. You can Google them. I will put Kay's, all her information, her organization, and she can point you to where you need to go, even if you're not in the Houston area. There, there is help. There are support systems that can, can help you in this process. If you ever fear that it is way too much and if you feel like it's too much, reach out, call the numbers, get on the, get online and get help sis. There is help available and help from people that look like you who want you and your baby to thrive. They're out there. Sis, if you are going through the change of life, shutting down your baby manufacturing plant, you know, if you're going through that process and your doctor is not listening to you, now there's beginning to be this this talk and this conversation. Even Oprah opened up this conversation um, about what it is to get support, 
here's the thing. My last point, this is my last closing, as they would say, my last closing. So um, there is hormone treatment, hormone therapy, hormone replacement therapy, HRTs, right? So these uh, (laughs) things help you feel better. They work. And it's up to you and your doctor to decide what works best for you, right? So I'm, I'm a witness. She is doing much better. Listen, (laughs) listen, they, they absolutely work. What I find it odd is that it is not covered by my insurance. So hormone replacement therapies for women, regardless of your race, is not covered by the insurance. Why? Why? Why is that? Why is birth control? Why are the things that are catered to women and our well-being? Why isn't it covered by the insurance? Hmm? Inquiring minds would love to know. So, um, so, and then that can be a, a barrier to better health. You know, if you can't afford the, so they have, um, (laughs) they have testosterone that comes in pellets. So they slit your black side, put up just above, and they can insert these pellets and the pellets work for, I think you only have to go back like quarterly or maybe twice a year. Right. And so they're, they work immediately. They bring relief immediately. Those jokers are $350 a pop and it's not covered. Right. So then you have, um, creams and the creams can be $50. This is all a barrier. It can be a barrier to better health, to being productive because it's not covered by the insurance and every woman with the uterus and some ovaries goes through this experience and then black women's our our um experiences our symptoms are 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 are, are twice the the severity twice the rate of the severity right and it's not covered so what do you do do you run down to mexico do we have the you know go do the the travel medical tourism i don't i, I don't i don't have answers but I want you to know what's available that um, people are starting to listen. Organizations, especially like Kay, she's in the trenches. She is fi- she, she is fighting for black mamas and your maternal mental health. And then you have other organizations that are working with um, maternal, just maternal health, black maternal health. So from childbearing years to shutting down the manufacturing, the child manufacturing plant, black women, we so need the support. We need the um, people to listen. And we need compassion and care. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of This Woman Knows Podcast. I hope you'll join me next time. And until then, take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of This Woman Knows Podcast. For show notes, blog posts, guest booking information, and sponsorship opportunities, visit us online at www.thiswomanknows.com today.